Hey everyone, this is Jimmy Conrad, your favorite former U.S. Men's National Team player and the host of the Call It What You Want podcast. And I'm here to tell you that Viore is a versatile clothing brand that speaks my language. It's inspired from the coastal California lifestyle, just like me. Its products stand the test of time, just like me. And also just like me, it endeavors to inspire others to live vibrant, healthy lives. Viore gear is designed to look great in everyday life while also being perfect for any workout activity. I'm currently rocking the men's Sunday performance jogger And don't let the name deceive you. You can wear these babies any day of the week and in any situation. I'm talking going to the office, running errands, the gym, whatever your heart desires, because Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. So get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash sports. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash sports. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Again, go to viore.com sports and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. Freaking first cut. Golly! Oh, welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is our Zurich classic preview it's news it's storylines and we've got a special guest more on that in just a second but let me bring in the usual cast of characters that right there is mark immelman hey mark hey guys how we've been doing i haven't gotten to commune with you a lot over the last little while between uh, the masters and some college golf and such but it's good to be back it's good to have you back that right there is kyle porter kp how's it going I'm good. Uh, we were just talking off air. Mark was talking about how easy it is to win wine. Uh, everybody <laughs> has has seen our wine wagers. I would I would like to make it known that Mark has yet to win wine off of me, mostly because I haven't agreed to a bet. But uh, I just I just wanted to get that out there just for for posterity. And Mark is three and zero against the rest of us. He's never lost a wine wager. And joining us today, very excited about this. It's Dottie Pepper. Dottie, welcome. Thank you for your time. Thanks, you guys. You know, you you, you can't win unless you play. So let's let's get with it. Yeah. Huh. And by <laughs> the also- way, Dottie's Dottie's three and zero in wine wages against me. So I'm way down in this. Yeah. <laughs> wow. The, the true wow. wine wager champion oh, is well, with us. That is absolutely awesome. Dottie, I know you are uh, very busy. You probably have a lot of stuff going on, but something caught my eye. You you are actually, in, in the midst of everything else that you do, you have written a book, and it is called Letters to a Future Champion, My Time with Mr. Pulver, which begs the question, I, I know the answer to this because I don't ask questions I don't know the answers to, who is Mr. Pulver? <laughs> Well, very good question. (laughs) Mr. Pulver was my beloved PGA professional. And uh, we, I I came into his life uh, very late in his life. We started working together when he was 81, shortly after his his wife had passed, a retired professional. And I needed a teacher. And as it turned out, as his his family, his his three children said um, after their mom passed, because they, they were very much like Carl and Ellie Fredrickson. They were they were in the movie up. They were just they were bonded. They they did everything together. They, they were just they adored each other. And when she passed, um, they were really worried about him being frankly depressed. What what's the medicine for dad? Um, and it ended up that I was the medicine. And we had five and a half magical years exchanging typewritten letters, um, lessons in person, and books and philosophies, uh, newspaper articles, golf articles, everything that um, he felt was necessary to groom a champion. And, and it wasn't just about beating balls on the range. It was it was turning out a, a whole person um, that who was educated. I was the first in my family to go to a four-year school, get out in, with a degree, a valuable degree in four years. And, and that was something he preached big time. Uh, wow. But so, so it was, it was an all-inclusive really relationship with, um, an elderly man that, you know, he took up the, the task of a teenager who had big, big dreams. And I filled up, I filled a, a part of his life that I didn't really know that needed to be filled that, that, that much. It, it sounds a little bit Dottie, like, um, I don't know if you've ever talked to, to Ben Crenshaw or Tom Kite about their relationship with Harvey Penick. Is, is there, are there similarities there? Is that something that you've talked to them about as well? 
I have not talked to them about it, but I'll tell you who wrote the forward to the book was somebody else who had a very long relationship with Harvey Penick was Kathy Whitworth. So mm-hmm. yes, it was very, very much the same. I would say Mr. Pulver's letters might have been more in depth than uh, things I've seen from Harvey, but the the core is is very much the same. Now, Dottie, I'm, I'm fortunate to work alongside you a bunch, and I'm seeing you turn the tables just like Mr. Pulver had this mentorship sort of role with you, and I'm seeing you do it with a young lady from Abilene, Texas, too. Uh, is this is this you taking on a similar role, trying to pass on knowledge to a next generation, or was it just kind of happenstance that MK came into your life that way? Well, it was definitely happenstance. Uh, I hadn't been at CBS for half a season, and all of a sudden I had this intern uh, from Abilene Christian who was in the process of finishing. Well, she had finished her, her undergraduate degree but was working on her master's. And uh, what the I don't even know where all the compounds are on the CBS golf tour. And I <laughs> this, this person assigned to me. Um, yeah, I guess it's turned out a little bit that way, Mark. I think more... Uh, in in my life, um, in my golf television life, uh, it's really kind of an opportunity to do what Judy Rankin did for me, being mm-hmm. able to pass that on uh, now to MK. And, and MK's got her ideas about who might be following her because she's she's no longer shoulder to shoulder with me inside the ropes every week. She's actually producing the smart card. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she's moved her way up in in five and a half years, and she's making her own making your own trail. It's fantastic. These letters to a future champion, they, they are, as you mentioned, actual letters. They are hard copies, right? You, you compiled these to create a book. These letters physically exist, I assume somewhere in your home. <laughs> yes, they, they do. And it's, it was a, a hand-me-down binder that my dad gave me when he was uh, leaving the insurance industry, three rings uh, with the little, uh, supports around them so they didn't tear through the years but i have the first going back to 1980 and he passed in early 1986 so i have every letter that that he wrote to me and they literally cover everything um from the basics of a good grip uh to hitting bunker shots to understanding the difference that agronomy made and how people putt their how their technique changed because agronomy changed uh, to, I mean, he threw a little Sophocles and I mean, he threw the whole kitchen sink at me <laughs> and, and it, 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 uh, it was magic for me. And it, it was part of partly a COVID project, but I'd been told years before, you know, you, you have something that might be worthwhile to put in a book someday. And I said, yeah, that, that's great. But who's got the time? Well, guess what happened? In your <laughs> we all had a lot more time on our hands and I'm uh, really, really blessed that his family, uh, embraced this and pushed it and were so helpful in, in providing a lot more content even than I than I knew was out there hey, uh, including in that uh, included in that kitchen sink that came at you there's the forbidden material I've heard about a little bit uh, yeah. you care to share one or two of those nuggets for the for the folks watching and listening to the podcast <laughs> yeah sure uh, for, so the forbidden material for me the forbidden fruit so to speak of our relationship was uh, I'm, I'm sorry for everybody who who writes golf instruction or puts it out online now he, that was a no-go uh, he didn't want to be unteaching me based mm-hmm. upon and and also based upon how he knew i would absorb and learn best so when his his son, George Jr., passed seven years ago, I was given more of Mr. Pulver's, Mr. Senior's uh, stuff that was in Junior's library. And amongst them was this forbidden <laughs> blue folder. And it was exactly when I finally opened it up 30 some odd years later. That was a year ago and just about this time. It was exactly what I thought was going to be in there. And it was going back to 1966. Uh, articles that he agreed with or didn't agree with. So, he, I mean, he, he continued to educate himself. But what I was not prepared to find was in that same beat up folder with every letter I wrote to him over those over that same time. Wow. And I mean, just the, <laughs> the flood that that afternoon. Uh, my husband wasn't even home to kind of go get me more Kleenex. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I it was, it was about- pretty powerful. Yeah, what I appreciated about when you told me about that stuff a little bit, Duddy, was some of the things that he highlighted in books way from way back in the day. 
you know, these are things now that are proliferating a little bit in the golf instructional in the industry. And I've always sort of maintained there's nothing really new under the sun. But Mr. Pulver had the he had a handle on the stuff like way back in the day before the guys with their YouTubes and uh, and their yeah. swing cameras and all sorts of stuff and and their swing catalyst machines and all this stuff came up with these theories and such. That that's exactly right. Uh, he was a firm fundamentalist, and that has not changed in the entire. At the time the golf's been on the planet, you have to deliver a square strike with some speed, right? I mean, that that's pretty, and you got to be able to repeat it. Uh, you have to have good good pace with your putts. That that sets the whole base for freeing up the rest of it. He just preached that, preached that, preached that, and and to a fifteen year old, it may have sounded a little bit boring, but I knew he was right, and and he's still right. And, and I think if we just go back and remind ourselves that we're just we're using today's technology to really. Um, if we're doing golf right, we're just going to deliver it in the manner that we have at our disposal now, but the core of it hasn't changed a bit. Hey, do me a favor real fast for my esteemed colleagues. Um, I knew he was going to do this. Yeah, right. <laughs> you said something about good pace on putts freed up everything else. Build on that a little bit for me, please, buddy. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to ask a backstory about this. But he, he firmly believed that if you could control speed on long putts, you could eliminate mistakes. And what are we really trying to do? We're trying to play cleaner golf. Mm -hmm. So it would free up uh, a bunker shot. It would free up a difficult chip. It would free up a, a simple chip. Maybe I'm trying to hold it because I know my speed is so good. I'm going to make that putt. But he really believed that that long putting pace was paramount to, to good scoring. And then also that pace Pace is always over line. And if you remember those two things and work really hard on your speed of your putting, it essentially makes the hole much bigger. It, make, it frees your mind, but it makes the hole yeah. physically much bigger. Because, Mark, as you know, if you stand over, if you take three balls and hover them over the hole with perfect speed, all three can go in. We don't have to be that perfect. And the, that was another thing that he really stressed uh, was try not to be, try not to make yourself feel like you have to be perfect. I didn't listen for much of that, but that's what he preached. Yeah, I, I was going to ask if Mr. Pulver had any thoughts about strokes gain metrics, but I was I was just kidding. Just kidding. That's like we have a, we have a constant. Uh... Hmm. I, I think a lot of shot link would have driven him crazy. What I know he would have loved were the is the pressure plate stuff, so he could so you could really um, understand where weight was because he was so big on having a good setup. And the, and the transition and how you're making, making sure that your lower body connected to the ground is your power source. He would have loved that. That's really cool. I love it. It is called letters to a future champion. My time with Mr. Pulver. It's available now, right? Dottie. And I saw, I saw some of the, uh, the reviews for this. Nora O'Donnell had great things to say about this. I watch her on TV. That's awesome. <laughs> how about that? And you know what? She watches a lot of CBS golf too, by the way. I know she does. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely awesome. Uh, it's it's out now. And before we before we get you out of here, Dottie, I wanted to um, talk about the Masters. Obviously, uh, our our crown jewel in our game, watching Hideki Matsuyama uh, impress in the way he did. You know, we only get one perspective of it. Or I only get one perspective of it through through the television. You have quite a different perspective of it. And I wanted to kind of pick your brain about what you saw down there in Augusta, Georgia. Well, I, 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 it's more that not so much that I saw because I, I do have this amazing theater in front of me. I, I'm walking with the players, but it's also, I think, more my job being that one person on the ground is to let people feel and smell and hear. Um, as you know, like when the weather changes, it can smell different. Um, humidity came in. Golf course smelled different. Everything was different Friday afternoon than it was uh, on on or on, on Thursday and Saturday when the wind really came up, when that front was coming in and the thunderstorms rolled in, you could hear the wind in the, in the trees, but you couldn't necessarily pick up all that on the microphone. So that's the stuff that, that I love being on the ground and being able to call so much live golf there, but trying to get the, the viewers to understand that this is not a static situation. It is very much alive. Mm. Yeah, and, that, and, that's and, a, Real quick. That's a great point because I, I'll never forget like we have all these, these memories of like life and everything. I'll never forget the smell 
when uh, Spieth hit two in the water on 12. <laughs> it, I, I'm, I'm not kidding. Like, <laughs> no. I'll never forget. I'll never forget watching it. But this, I was with Kevin Van Valkenburg of ESPN. We're standing there on Amen Corner on 12. And the smell of it was like, that's what I wrote about because it's, it was, it's so weirdly distinct. It, it, I've never smelled anything like that before, which sound, I, I sound like I'm like, you guys should keep me off this podcast. Like I'm a crazy person. <laughs> no, but, no, 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 you are, you are all in. Yeah. I heard you, I heard you talking Dottie about the wind on 16 on Sunday mm-hmm. when Xander and Hideki are getting ready to hit their shots. And I, I think it, it was hard to pick up. I was standing there on 16. It was hard to pick up because you could only see it and hear it at the very like tops of those trees. And I think people on TV on, on, that were watching on TV were like, wait a second, why is Xander hitting it in the water? But I thought you did a great job, at least from what I heard later on of, of saying like, wait a second, there was something going on here. And yeah, I just think that's the stuff that it's like, man, it's so good to be there. It's so good to like pick up little details like that. It's that same corner of the golf course. So if you're, if you're playing 16, you're hitting, you're almost at a 90 degree angle to the sixth hole. And if you go to the left of the sixth hole, there's a very significant change in elevation up where five is. Mm-hmm. And I am convinced that that is one of the most active corners on that entire golf course, maybe even more so than 12 because of the huge elevation change. And there's two holes in there that run perpendicular. Nothing is the same. You think you got it figured out in one place and it's completely different. It's the same place. Um, even in November, when the wind came up a little tiny bit, it was that part of the golf course that it seemed to baffle the players most. And uh, Mark, I don't even think we've had a chance to debrief since you got back from Augusta. And I, I tried to take some inspiration from you, my friend. I, I, you know how we do this on Sunday, a guy's got a big lead and we say, oh, there's no drama. I, and I tried to say, no, you know what? Mark told me the coronation of a deserved champion is all the drama we need. So I tried to embrace that on Sunday as I watched Hideki, uh, eventually don the green jacket. But to, you know, you're right, but to Duddy's point too, you know, there's nothing guaranteed. We've seen leads spill there through the years. Uh, remember Kenny Perry, two hole, uh, two shots up with two holes to play, ended up not winning. And this has happened in the past. Yeah, Tiger. So, yeah, Tiger, exactly. Yeah. Um, when Jack Nicholas came back in 86, you know, Seve, and there were a number of guys in contention and they all sort of fell foul to the final few holes there. And and for me, the Masters is always different. Um, usually I'm on the course like Dottie is, but, you know, I'm holed up in a studio bigger than this now with a new content center, which is out of this world. Crazy insane. Oh, my gosh. Um, and so we've got multiple monitors around there, and I'm calling 11, 12, and 13. And and it, it, it's, it's a luxury for me because normally when I'm on the course, I get to experience what Dottie is talking about. So you come at, come at it from that angle when all of a sudden it's just a monitor and a computer. One's mindset changes instantaneously. But but still, to that, I think the Masters was spectacular. Even though Hideki had the big lead, you knew something was likely. And i got to tell you, and Daddy, I want you to chime in. Mm-hmm. The amount of pressure that Hideki Matsuyama was playing with on his shoulders. I mean, I don't think anyone could fathom that. What say you? I, I completely agree. And it wasn't just that tournament. It's every tournament every this time. guy mm-hmm. keeps it up in. I, I, I do have a, a philosophy, though, or, or a thinking that perhaps because of COVID and there are not as many people of the Japanese media on site, I think it made it just an ounce easier for him because mm-hmm. there were less questions, maybe a little less of a spotlight on him, but that's a very little bit. I also, I, Mark, I'm interested to hear your take. You mentioned, you know, 86 and things that happened uh, down the stretch. When he hit the ball in water at 15, all I could think of was Seve. Seve went in the front pond, but that, that, yeah. I mean, it was so much that was the same. It was. And at that stage, you know, Xander's making a bit of a run. And I was watching this entire thing. I was like, this could turn on its head in the space of about 45 minutes yeah. because it's not just. Well, it is just the total on the scorecard. That's what it's all about. But it's all about momentum and runs and fallbacks. And that golf course, to me, just sets up so beautifully to to how it flows and how it allows drama and anticipation and like this crescendo through holes like 15, 16, 17, where you were. Um, but yeah, I, when he hit it 
in that water. Because there, there are a few shots coming down the stretch, as you know, that you've got to get by. It's yeah. the second or the third on 15. It's you've got to get it, get past 13, hopefully, with birdie. And then you just try and keep it in the fairway on 17, 18, and you should be okay. But when he flushes this, I think it was four, Ryan. I think you called through the back That's of the green. Right. I was like, oh, my goodness. Because <laughs> from there, I think the second shot was easier than the third, the fourth shot that was upcoming, right? No yeah. question. No question. <laughs> Yeah, it was, it was, um, I was, I was curious if, if, um, so the thing that I felt and, and I'm, I'm curious if you felt this as well, Dottie was, there's always this, like when things get tense on Sunday, there's always this kind of like murmur or this buzz that kind of, kind of wafts through the, the, the people there. Mm -hmm. And I only felt that for like a minute on Sunday, like literally one minute. And it was, it was the walk from 15 to 16 where people are kind of like gathering into this, like, uh, you know, parade toward the end of the tournament. And that was the only time you felt it. And then it went away right away when Xander hit, hit the ball into the water. Uh, but that was that something that you felt as well when you're out there? Yeah, it only took one swing to dispel all of that. <laughs> but, but I think I think too part of it it was the lack of the build out because of COVID. So they, normally you would have you know the the patron viewing areas to the left of fifteen, and there would be equally to the right, and that's where a yeah. lot of people gather. And the you know, the murmur, you know, people just talking to each other. So you know they're stacked up on top of each other, and that's a natural place to just to just chat and kind of look at that big board and, and see what's happening. That wasn't there. Uh, yeah. So maybe it, maybe it came and went faster, but I completely agree with you. Walking from 15 to 16, like, Oh, this is a whole new ball. Game. And yeah. Torres was still running up front. He hadn't completely finished yet. Yeah. Special stuff. Uh, Dottie, before we get you out of here, I can't believe it. We're already less than a month out from Kiowa, uh, which is, which is crazy to think about. Has, has, uh, the, the preparation already begun for the PGA championship? I am at a semi distinct <laughs> advantage there because I had a house at Kiowa, I had a little condo there for, a, for a short bit. Um, and I played a shell's wonderful world of golf there. So I've, I've been stuck in those dunes. I can tell you how bad they are. <laughs> I've, I've, made a, I've made a run of birdies going out and I've paid the price coming in when the weather can turn and make, make that run from 15, 16, 17, 18 coming in as, as tough of any stretch as you can possibly have and, and penal, you know, one swing and, and you're done. Um, so part of it is, is homework preparation that's already emblazoned in my mind from having been there. Uh, but part of it is, I'm just anxious to see how the, the PGA is going to set this up. Will they yeah. they move things out further? Will it will they try to get it firmer and faster? Will weather will Mother Nature uh, cooperate? Now this is really the first time we're going to get that great new May date uh, at a place right. that's that's just, that's okay with that because remember Beth Page was a little tough. It, it was cold. It was really raw yeah. at the beginning of the week. I think we're now going to get what the PGA of America was looking for when they did make the date. That is awesome. We are absolutely stoked for it. We're going to leave it there for now. Dottie did have an extended conversation with Mark on his podcast. That is called On the Mark. You can find that anywhere you get your podcast. And her new book is Letters to a Future Champion, My Time with Mr. Pulver. Dottie, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Thanks, you guys. This was a blast. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
And we're back. The NFL draft is quickly approaching and there's no better audio outlet than the pick six podcast for your daily dose of draft coverage. Join Will Brinson and a team of drafts draft experts for the latest mocks, prospect rankings, player interviews, tips on how to gamble on the draft and much more from Trevor Lawrence to Mr. Irrelevant pick six pod. It will provide a comprehensive breakdown of the 2021 NFL draft. So follow the always daily pick six podcast on Apple podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and wherever else podcasts are found. All right, gentlemen, we got some news from the PGA Tour. They are reportedly starting a player impact program. Amon Lynch of Golf Week lets us know that this is a pool of $40 million, $40 million for players that are, quote, deemed to add the most value with $8 million going to the player to deemed to add the most value. Now, KP, I can roll through some of the criteria some of the calculations, some of the algorithms that are going to go into how the tour is going to determine the most valuable player because they are not necessarily golf related, my friend. Well, for, okay, there, there's <laughs> there's a lot to talk about here. I, I don't I don't know where to even start, but what the, the place to start is the forty million should just go to Tiger for the next ten years. No algorithm needed. You're right. Just give give him 400 million. Thanks for, thanks for all. And players say that it's not just me. You know, you, you hear players. I think Kepka was the one quoted that was like, Tiger should always be number one. Well, he should always be one through 10 because he's the one that generated all this money, right? Without Tiger, there is no 40 million without Tiger. There is no FedEx cup, at least not for whatever they're playing for $70 million. So that's the first thing. The second thing is like, <clears throat> well, the, so the, the second thing on my mind is, did you see the piece in Eamon Lynch or, or the, the, the detail in Eamon Lynch's piece about how Jordan Spieth's dad is involved in this? No, Mm-mm. didn't see that. So he, he runs the uh, producer. Jacob can maybe throw it in the chat. Cause I can't remember the exact name, but he runs one of the sort of metrics he runs a company that, ru- or he works oh. at a company that runs one of the metrics that kind of determines. I think wh- it's where the, yeah, the Meltwater mentions. Is that it? I think it's, I think it's the, oh, MVP, the MVP index okay. or it. whatever it is. But like, so here's a question is, so Tiger has this car crash in February. So part of the thing is like Google search, curating, all these different things. It, like, are people, are players going to like get, highly ranked on this based on non golf things. Does that even matter? Like it, does it matter that it's non golf? Like, well, I, let's, if it, like th- try to step outside of this for a second and think about how insane it is that we're just giving away $40 million based on the factors that are listed. I'm going to list those factors. It's crazy. Yeah, go ahead. I'm going to list them in a second. But Mark, let's bring you in on this because this is, to me, a couple of things. I think this is a little bit of a defense uh, against future PGL attempts, right? Mm -hmm. Tours that have come in and said, hey, we're going to guarantee money. There's going to be a a lot more money for top players. You don't have to worry about whether you make the cut, blah, 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 all that stuff. A little bit more of a defense against that. Uh, And maybe as we get into some of these metrics, you know, there might be an incentive for players to engage in social media more often, things like that. That That's kind of the way that I see this. The other side of the argument, Mark, would just be Jacob's argument, which is if you if you want to make money off the course, just go get a sponsorship, right? Why do we need the PGA Tour handing out $40 million? Well, the real, I guess the only truth of it all is these guys make infinitely more money off the course than what they do on the course, even though these yeah. persons week in and week out are astronomical. Um, and and with all this being said, you know, I was just I'm always going to divert back to the 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 fact that the PGA Tour is a members organization. And without the members, it doesn't really exist. Now, I, I thought Commissioner Monaghan and his lieutenants did an awfully good job dealing with the PGL and uh, whatever this thing was called a few years ago, because at one stage it was all a buzz and like, well, who's moving on? And then I remember Rory standing up resolute saying, yeah, I'm not going anywhere. I'm a PGA Tour guy. And um that was awfully corporate of him, and it was a leadership role he adopted. But I have to believe that somewhere behind the scenes, somewhere in Punta Vedras, someone was saying to Tiger, um, you know, the real needle movers and such, they're like, we need you to be with us. You're a member here, and I understand that it's lucrative and, and whatever to go elsewhere, even though it's unproven and it's untested. 
And so maybe it's a response to that. Um, but but here's the thing: you you you've, you got to pay your folks. Now they got lots and lots of money, but still, the the PGA Tour. If you watch a PGA Tour promo or an ad or a commercial or whatever, they're advertising their guys. That's yep, what they yeah. do. Um, the and you can advertise the 17th green at the Players Championship or whatever the case might be. But you know, it's the players that are moving the needle, and and it's the players that are bringing the, the fans and and the players like you point out, Rick, is with them engaging on social media, it's drawing attention to the PGA tour. So, so, so anything that's bringing attention to the PGA tour emboldens and, and beefs up the tour's position when it comes to securing sponsorship for future events and, 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 and the future of the PGA tour. So I think really, um, if you're looking at it from the 36,000 foot view, it's a small price to pay for what's going to be a long-term initiative and keeping these players, you know, happy and competing. Yeah. And and in the, in the tour's defense, um, like, so we always do the thing where we're like, Hey, six guys matter. And then, and then we try to like figure out who those six guys are. This, this is what the, that's what the tour did here. Like they're trying to figure out who those six guys are and pay them. Right. And this is something that's very easy to make fun of because it's like this 21st century algorithm related thing. And there's probably going to be moments where we do make fun of it because it's such low hanging fruit, but also like, this is probably what you should be doing if you're the tour, because not only do you have the PGL threat, which I mean, Luke Elvey, who works at CBS sports threw a tweet out there two weeks ago and said, Hey, this is still a thing. And it's like, okay, well, I, I haven't, I don't know. I mean, like, I haven't heard that from anybody. If it's not but the PGL, also, it'll be something else. Yeah, it'll, it'll be, be something else in the future. Right. And that's what I was going to say. What else happened this week? Right. The super, the European super league, the soccer yeah. thing. And this felt very like timely, not even necessarily based on the PGL, but based on that. Cause it's the exact, if you read through the soccer stuff, football, whatever, I don't I don't whatever we're calling it. Well, it's the exact same thing. 15 teams matter. Mm-hmm. That's it. And they're trying to, to get paid. Now you remove, I think some of the, um, it, it, it becomes more sterile. It becomes more just like, there's not as much, uh, depth and grittiness to, to like having a, a super league with on, in, on the golf side or the soccer side. But that's a different conversation. The point is that like the tour recognizes what's happening in soccer, saw the PGL and was like, well, we kind of have to do this. And we feel like this is the best way forward. Even though again, like I, I don't know if we need like meltwater mentions to be handing out millions of dollars. Well, uh, if, if you get really granular about this too, you know, there's, there's a huge trickle down effect that will go on from this too, because the tour is essentially the umbrella now for so many tours around the world. And, and you think of Latino America and PGA tour, China and the McKenzie tour and all these sorts of things. So, so as, if the PGA is strong financially, which means corporate involvement, then there's the trickle down to all of these smaller leagues and the smaller leagues. If, if you are truthful and everyone says that the tour is, and, and I get to work there some, and they really are about continuing to grow and develop the game and make charitable contributions all over the place. You need money to be able to do that. And again, their, their vehicle, their horses are whoever these, what, eight, 10 number of guys are because they're moving the needle. And, and as long as TV ratings are up, you know, TV contracts extend and, and, and that's yep. a huge source of funds. And of course, then you've got to keep sponsors happy. And, and let's, let's be real, you know, with respect to Scott Stallings, I'll, I'll use your observation. My boy. Yeah, your boy. Um, with respect to Scott and a number of these players who are good players, you know, when Tiger is in a field, it's a different event. You you could have asked Dottie this when she was on the show. You guys have been to events. Yep. When Tiger plays, it's just different. There's an excitement. There's a buzz. There's 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 added television viewership, and and so this is very important to the bottom line, which then will trickle down to other leagues. 
here, here's the criteria, these five, these five or six <laughs> things. So, um, uh, number one, this is kind of disputed the position on the season ending FedEx cup points that was originally in the Amon Eamon Lynch, uh, golf week, uh, article, but apparently the tour tells golf week that that will not be used as a metric. So that on course metric will not be used. Number two, the popularity in Google search. Number three, their Nielsen brand exposure rating, which places a value on the exposure, a player delivers to sponsors through the minutes they are featured on broadcasts. Okay. Mm -hmm. Their Q rating, which measures their familiarity and appeal of a player's brand, their MVP index rating, that's Jordan Smith's dad's thing, which calibrates the value of the engagement a player drives across social and digital channels. And then finally, their meltwater mentions or the frequency with which a player generates coverage across a range of media <laughs> platforms. KP, I have a lot of questions. Let me just throw out a couple of them here to begin with. Do we have something to distinguish positive and negative uh, interactions? We know that the internet hates a lot of things and not every comment about a player on the PGA Tour might be positive. Does that matter? What happens in Google search for a guy like Adam Scott? There's a very popular actor named Adam Scott. Does he... Yeah. Does, does golfer Adam Scott get credit for actor Adam Scott's Google searches? Like I, that might be good. I don't know. There's just, I, I'm hoping the algorithm uh, down at, at, at PGA tour headquarters has factored this stuff in. Yeah. I think that like, you know, I think we're sort of, <laughs> I mean, it sounds like a, it sounds like what you would write if you're writing a parody of this, right? Have you seen um, what's the uh, Silicon Valley? Is that the name of the yeah. show? Yeah. It's like that, right? It's like this, like, like how, how would you parody this? This is exactly how you would do it. But I also, I also think we're sort of uh, splitting hairs here that you're going to end up. I mean, they did the, like the facsimile of, of what the list was in uh, 2019. And you're like, "Uh, yeah, like, sure. That makes sense. Tiger, uh, Brooks, uh, Rory. You're like, okay, that that's, you can maybe re-rank them based on what they did in a certain season, based on how many people they drew in or if they thrived at a certain major, but you're kind of just coming up with the same 10 guys in a different order. I think one interesting way to do it, because I think that the, I think the guys on tour kind of get it is just let the players vote. Just say, Hey, just give us 10 guys that this money should go to. They made you more money. So why, why not vote on, you know, and you can't vote for yourself. I, that would be a, a less like, <clears throat> I guess you could still game that system, but it seems like it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be like some marketing director sitting in a corner office somewhere, like scheming up ways to, to, you know, figure out the internet or whatever. It just seems, it seems weird. Rick, I can see Cal feverishly with Jordan Spieth tweets trying to ramp these boys' numbers up. <laughs> yeah, he's gonna hire. He's gonna hire a uh, a firm to just search Jordan Spieth's name uh, twenty four hours a day, seven days a week. <laughs> but to that point, like now the 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 broadcast that Mark's on, the tweets that we send out, like those have like smaller like uh, ramifications, but real ramifications on how much money these guys make, which is weird and but also like it is hard like it's hard to come up with a different sort of formula to to figure this stuff out one quick thing and you you bring up a very astute point there kyle those broadcasts that we're on a target could be 25 over par he will still be shown Mm -hmm. And and it might not be live, but you will see what what Tiger's up to throughout the round. So I mean that gets back to how the genesis of this entire conversation. You know whether Woods is playing or Woods isn't playing, he's still probably going to be the most searched, <laughs> most uh, golfer that folks are the most interested in. So you know, but I think it, it becomes a share of the money. It be, for sure, and I totally agree with that. But it, it becomes not to get into like a broadcast discussion, but it becomes a chicken or the egg issue, right? Like, do you show um, uh, on Sunday at the Masters? Do you show Spieth, who's like seven bat, because people want to see him, or do you develop Will Zalatoris, who's two back, because it's part of the the broadcast is kind of the gatekeeper to like what fans get to know or what fans learn to love, you know, like I, that's a little bit of like, wait a second, like, and, and not that the broadcast is going to necessarily change based on this $40 million pot, but I think it does raise some questions about like, 
I, I don't know. There's just, the, I feel like this got thrown out there and I'm like, well, I have a, a million questions and now I have 2 million. Like I, 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 I don't know. And the fact that it's been a secret for the last four months, how has that happened? It's been in, it's been in place since January. Um, well, well uh, there, there's certain things that, and I've talked about this before, like the finding of the players, there's certain things that us, the public just kind of really don't need to know. Um, and, why? and this is one of these. I mean, why don't you just reimburse the players if they're bringing notoriety to the tour? Why, why does general public have to know about this? But, but that's just me. I, I think because there should be a leaderboard on the PGA Tour website with the current rankings and all that. Sure. And we should, they should gamify it. Like, it should be awesome. And then you're going to find, because if there's social media engagement or Google searches or whatever, there's going to be a bunch of folks like I knew. Remember when ESPN had Title Town? Remember that contest? Yeah, that they had right. Do you do you know who which which was which became Title Town USA? Somebody who Georgia. <laughs> Georgia. Okay, he's got a high school team that has won the state championship football for many many years because a bunch of smart guys just got in behind this, and they just created a thing where there was uh, an algorithm applying or whatever, basically on the minutes. And 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 this is the one area where the the, the tour algorithm is going to have to be a little savvy to all of this stuff. I think the reason to to make it public is because I think that the tour sometimes it just takes like we're talking about golf, right? We're not talking about war or nuclear physics. Well, Bryson sometimes thinks he is, but. It, it's it, it there's an air of like taking taking things too seriously and it's like let's just let's just like not take ourselves so seriously sometimes not like even the players it's like i don't know man like you're playing golf you know and i don't know i i think i think you could actually have fun with i love rick's idea like make it put it on pjtour.com that would be awesome yeah and then we can tweet uh at ricky fowler when he gets passed by whoever and like yeah it'll be a thing here was when they simulated this for 2019 uh here was the order tiger woods rory mcelroy brooks kepka phil mickelson and ricky fowler that was the top five uh, six through 10 jordan spieth dustin johnson justin thomas justin rose and Adam Scott, Mark, uh, yeah, that that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's likely to be the same thing in 2021. Um, although you, you, you're you seeing like Will Zalatoris is becoming like a Jordan Spieth, if you will. He's got this laissez-faire sort of cowboy thing about him that's attractive, and he plays the game with an abandon that is attractive to your club viewer. So I'm sure he's gaining some traction in the whole the whole story with him that he's not still in the playoffs and blah, blah, blah. And so folks are wanting to find this out. So there are players with their individual little storylines, but you know, the, na- the names you list there, that's largely what you're going to see. I and, have to believe. And, and Bryson will be injected onto that list uh, oh, for sure. moving yeah. forward. But yeah, for 2019, it sounds like about well, exactly. Well, you, you right. can, well, you can expect Bryson mm. to hype up the hype even more now because of this. And I say this, the guys, the, 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 I like Bryson, you know, we buds, but, but you can expect now that it's just going to double down on living room blast sessions and whatever else he's doing. Because <laughs> he's <doing that. laughs> he works My, out in his socks. I can't work out in socks. You have no that, stability. How does he do that? That was so weird. That was the weirdest, like <laughs> low key, the weirdest part of that most recent video. I'm rooting for Will Zalatoris. Will Zalatoris could become, I think he could become the number one player in the world and and not be in the playoffs. Which <laughs> <laughs> runner incredible. up and everything. Thankfully, that's not happened because DJ is so far ahead, but but it is likelier. It, it, but it could, I think if he finishes, yeah, I, maybe DJ would still be ahead of him. But something he could be top five in the world and not be in the playoffs. Um, I can't remember my other point about this. I, I think that I, what I was going to say, I think sometimes we take the exception. Like Ricky Fowler is like the easy lightning rod exception. Like he's not in the top hundred and yet he would probably still be in the top 10 of this. Maybe. I don't know if we did it in, in at the end of the year. And I think that's, that's the guy that it's like, okay, what are we doing here? But if you're Scott Stallings, if you're Kevin Streelman, if you're Keegan Bradley, I don't know, hire a better agent, like become more, you know, like it's not, it's not agents Ricky's fault. That that change. You're right. Agents roles to bring the money. You remember Jerry Maguire? Um, <laughs> they, they, their role suddenly is not just sales. Their role is now um, SEO, you know, the yeah. search engine optimization stuff. Yeah. So it, it's not Ricky's fa- fault that like people love him. 
right. you know, like I, I think we sometimes, I think it's easy to like joke about it and hold it against him. Cause he's not a top hundred guy anymore, but I don't know, get a better agent. It is what it is. Gentlemen, we have golf this week and we've got team golf this week. The Zurich classic TPC, Louisiana, the only official team event that we get here. And uh, we could spend another hour on uh, just how some of these pairings came to be. We won't do that. But Mark, this is um, I I hate to say it. This is kind of ones where. I, you kind of have to throw the stats out the window a little bit. There's a lot of, there's a lot of um, the mental side of it. There's a lot of how well these guys trust each other, know each other, meld together. And we're going to see pairings of guys who are really good friends. We're going to see pairings of guys that might have complementary skill sets. And we're going to see pairings of guys who probably didn't know each other six days ago. There's like a little bit of everything. Yeah, there is. Um, but, but I think but if, if you get right down to the skinny of it all, it, comfortability is going to be the thing. And if you and I just met the other day and we hit it off like a house on fire and we're making birdies, we're going to be okay. Uh, the the what makes this entire thing fascinating to me is the golf course lends itself it's soft we've had a lot of rain down there in new orleans um to to just a birdie fest it's going to be a bonanza down there but uh, still you're going to have to hit quality shots coming down the stretch and then with two of the four days being foursomes alternate shot that's where you bring in the whole strategy of the whole thing so whether you good buddies like the two south africans louis and charles who've played tons of golf together or whether you're brand new at each other, figuring out how alternate shot works and how you're going to set up this golf course because the golf course does set up to where if you tee off on the odd holes, you're going to hit um, more. uh, I've actually made the note here. You're going to hit six tee shots, more approach shots, and you're going to hit um, uh, tee shots on three of the four par threes. If you're on the evens, you hit the lion's share of the tee shots, fewer approach shots, and you hit more birdie putts if you hit greens in regulation. Mm. So, so it's going to be fascinating to see how players go about that thing. And, and the truth of it all, um, that's where comfortability comes in with alternate shots because there's extra pressure because you've got a guy on your wing. And if you had a bad one, it's sort of on you. But yeah. if you and I are good buds and I blast one into kingdom come and you're like, what are you doing, man? And then you laugh it off and you go, those sorts of teams to me and alternate shot do better. I'm glad you mentioned the format, Mark, because rounds one and three, that's four ball. That's where everybody plays their own ball and each pair of golfers takes their best score for each hole rounds two and four. That's foursomes also known as alternate shot and KP. That was actually a small tweak that the PGA tour made. They used to end this round four used to be, four ball and you would see guys go out and shoot 60 61 or whatever and try to win the golf tournament now it ends on foursomes alternate shot which i think is more interesting because i think you know if your partner puts you kind of stymied somewhere they've got to play out of it it's for all the money on sunday i think there's a hair more drama in that i think that's a good change to make i do too i think that's the right way to do it because you know we've seen guys at president's cup at Ryder cup just get crazy in alternate shot. You know, I think back to even Justin Rose and Stinson at uh, Glen Eagles in 14. And you're like, these guys are going to shoot like a 63 and on alternate shot, which is impossible. You can't do it. Um, it's harder to, I think it's harder to make up ground in four ball because I mean, what's the worst a team that's playing well is going to shoot 64. I mean like the worst they're going to shoot 63. I mean, it's, 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 it's just very difficult, I think, to come from behind. I don't know if the number, like, that's just my off the top take about it. I don't know if that's statistically true, but at least uh, it it seems um, sort of, it, it seems true based on what we've seen in, in past tournaments like this. Well, building on that um, tournament record, four balls is 60, which is mm-hmm. 12 under there, and record alternate shot is 67. Yeah, five under. So, so to your point, there, the, it definitely is harder to put together a score alternate shot wise, and, and and you are likely to see a little bit more volatility. But there's also just the pure logistical element to that too, and that alternate shot goes faster. You got two guys that are leapfrogging each other and, and playing one golf ball, and so essentially you got two ball twosomes out there, like they normally do on a weekend at a PGA Tour event, because the number of cuts is 33 teams entire. So that's what that about 66, 70 players or so. Yeah. So so in terms of getting the thing in, uh, television time, all that sort of thing, alternate shot is a whole lot better than four balls in play on a Sunday afternoon with a tournament on the line. Uh, Rick, what's your favorite uh, 
team pairing favorite or like one I need to know more about <laughs> uh, both Akshay and Scott Piercy for I sure. Got, I got to know how that came to be. Uh, my favorite. How, how, do is, they even, how do they even know each other? They can't. They don't. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Agents, random. I don't know. Uh, that, that to me is, is the one that I was like, this doesn't make any sense whatsoever. My favorite, like if you could only let me watch one would probably be Bubba and Scotty Scheffler, which like mm. this could go sideways or they might make a million birdies. I have no idea. And when you have to play alternate shot with Bubba, uh, I don't know. He just thinks different out there. I think that would be a lot of fun to watch those guys. If you only watch people's feet, that would be an unreal. <laughs> if, if, if CBS this week was like, we're only fixating our cameras on people's feet. That would definitely be the one to watch. Uh, two others, one Rocco yeah. media and Woody Austin combined age 115. Wow. Which That's is crazy. Cool. Uh, and then one that I really loved because it's a throwback to the title team, 2018 Oklahoma state, uh, Chris Ventura and, Victor Hovland. I knew Norway. That one. There had to be something over there. If 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 I was going to, I've got two. Um, I would probably go the most vanilla pairing in the entire field that could even win. Kevin Kevin Kisner and Scott Brown. No, I think Chris Kirk and Brendan Todd. I think they are going to be dynamite <laughs> together. And then I'm loving, and I'm so fighting with myself on one and done right now. I'm loving Billy Horschel and Sam Burns. I mean, because the way this golf course sets up, Sam Burns can drive the thing on the even holes and Billy can go ahead and hit putts and stuff. Uh, uh, th those two are fascinating to me. If, if you're getting into the pure golf of it, not necessarily the personalities that, uh, that are involved. Well, let's get into the pure golf of it. We're going to do uh, a sleeper, a top 10, a pick to win as we normally do. And we've got to update our one and done, but let's start with our sleepers and gentlemen, I'll go first here. Uh, I went pretty far down the board. I took Matthew Neesmith and Chase Seifert. Seifert's made five cuts in a row. He finished T3 at the Honda a couple of starts ago. And Neesmith is a top 10 approach player on the PGA tour. I'm going to roll with those two for my sleeper. KP, who do you like? Yeah, I could hear some. Oh, I had. Uh, oh, who did I have? Well, uh, go ahead, Mark. I got to pull it up. Well, my sleeper was Chris uh, Kirk and Brendan Todd. I mean, no one's really going to be thinking about them. And uh, you, they, they're the most comfortable group of all of them I looked at. The two know each other well. They play the same games, and I think if you put a, a combination together that complement each other, and they, um together make a perfect hole. I, I think those two are it. So my sleeper is certainly the Georgia Bulldogs. They are the two. And uh, that foreshadows something that's going to be on my card in a, in a minute, Mark, that um, if you could like, not, they have to play together. If you could literally turn, like just meld these two golfers mm -hmm. together, yeah. they make like the best golfer because Kirk is so great tee to green. And then Todd gets you, you know, one of the best putters on the planet. So that's, that's awesome. Uh, you ready KP? <clears throat> yep. I got uh, Justin's son, Doug Gem. Oh, they make a lot of birdies. So, great, great pedigrees, right? Elite amateurs. I like that. There's a little bit of unknown there as professionals. They're still, I talked to, um, I talked to Justin Suh's agent at the masters and he was, he was excited about like, just which, you know, all agents, but just like the way he's progressing and just talking about how like, it's not always a Colin Morikawa thing. It's not always a Jordan Speed thing where it's like, oh, it's immediate. Even, I mean, look at JT. JT was on Corn Ferry for what, a year, year and a half, whatever. And I think that you're going to see somebody like a Justin Suh. Okay, maybe it takes three years, but then once he gets there, he's really good. So I, I'm excited about both him and Doug Gim, who played great at, at uh, TPC Sawgrass for about three and a half days. He did. He certainly did. They still use JT as like their main marketing material down there on the corn ferry. I was just out there a couple <laughs> days ago. He's on every banner on every, everything. So yes, for sure was a grad. Um, okay. Top 10. I went, uh, Mark with a very comfortable group. I went with the Max Homa Taylor Gooch group. This is the group that I think Gooch uh, is a better ball striker than people want to give him credit for. If, if you heard any of the remarks after Homa's win at Riviera, he, he, he attributed a lot of 
of that to Gooch because they were in the final, uh, they were playing together on Sunday and he was like, Gooch Taylor was there to keep me calm, keep me not thinking about golf. We were just having a good time. Hopefully they'll be able to replicate that this week. I like that. And I got to tell you, Taylor Gooch is a hitter. I mean, that yeah. guy can seriously hit yeah. it. Um, I'm, I'm going with the guys I've listed already. Uh, I just think, Billy Horschel, who's won twice around here. Billy Horschel, who turned Scott Piercy into a superhero a couple of years ago for those two guys to win it, um, is just, he's like the hype guy. And I think he's exactly what Sam Burns might need. And, and Billy's playing well. Sam Burns, we know, can play great. Uh, but the thing about Burns is he, he sort of has big variances in the game. And when he's on, he's downright unbeatable. And when he's off, it's a little wild. And I, th- I think when he's got, for two rounds, a guy that's pretty reliable from T through green on his wing, uh, I think that's really going to help out. And listen, he's a homeboy as well down there. So uh, I think Horschel and Burns, top 10 for me. Billy might take it out on himself a little bit, but he is always a hype man for whoever he is playing with. <laughs> hey, you know what? I actually had their group for the CBS coverage when he and Piercy won. And I remember... At this stage, Piercy couldn't get a three-foot putt into the cup, mm-hmm. right? And and they're standing there on 18 fairway, and I see the cameras are just trained on uh, Piercy, who's now hitting the second shot, and uh, and now he's deciding whether he's going to lay up or go for it. And Billy's on his shoulder talking to him more than the caddy is. And Billy's like almost massaging him, him as if to say, dude, you got this, you can do this, you can do this. And then he lays up, horselets it on the green. It turns out that Piercy had to make like three feet to win. And Billy was like stalking around the place, you know, almost wanting to hit the putt for does. him. And it was exactly what Scott needed. And I think this is probably a good thing for Sam Burns too. Billy is, there's a lot going on. He only has one setting. It is like 150%. That's the setting. Uh-huh. I would love to see him. And uh, I don't think he'll be on the Ryder Cup team, but him and Bryson together would be oh. just complete insanity. Like just, it, it would be I, out of they've control. Never, they've never hit a uh, shot. I've got uh, Cam Smith and Mark Leishman. I think that, I mean, Cam Smith's obviously won here before. He won with Jonas Blix back in, I think, 17. Yep. I, they're not, if you look at their recent numbers, they're not great. Like if, over the last couple of months, they haven't been hitting it necessarily that well. But I, I think... You can also look at Augusta. You can look at RBC Heritage and just the confidence that they bring in um, and, and, and the, the history that they have playing on president's cups team together. I, I just, I don't know. It feels like they, I don't know if they should be the favorite. They're not the favorite. I, th- I think there's a world in which they could be the favorite and you'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. May I add something here? And I'm going to concede to you guys. Alternate shot is a hitting contest. Four ball is a putting contest. It always has been, always will be. So, so to that combination, uh, they, they both, you know, relatively relatively sound ball strikers, but they can both putt, especially yeah. Cam Smith. And I think the two of them together around a place where he's obviously comfortable is is a good idea. Cam, Cam Smith's short game has been just a joke over the last couple of months. It's unbelievable. He's been phenomenal. That'll be a comfortable pairing for sure. Time for our picks to win. I'm going with that guy, Terrell Hatton and Danny Willett. This to me, uh, I think it's a nice comfy pairing. Willett is another one of those guys similar to Sam Burns who has some rounds that are just absolutely sparkling uh, and struggles to put four together at times. Maybe Danny Willett can stabilize him just a little bit. Plus, um, it'll be fun to watch no matter no matter how they play. That yes. will be fun to watch mark your pick to win please uh, i'm going with the favorites um ram and ryan palmer and not because of john ram uh, i think ryan palmer is just dynamite at the moment he's playing so beautifully yep. and he's he's sort of the yin to y- ram's yang say that five times fast by the way um and and, and i just think they're an awesome combination and the way ryan is playing the 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 piece he brings to that combination, I think, is going to be worthwhile. And they're coming back to a place where they're defending. And, and man, they played beautifully the last time together. So I, I'm I'm going with the defending champs. Billy Horschel, Kyle, actually had a quote where he was like, "I'm trying to take the Ryan Palmer blueprint." which is latch myself onto a young, talented golfer and hope that he keeps me for a couple of years because Palmer has Palmer has, uh, he didn't win it with Jordan Spieth, but they finished, I think fourth in 2017. Then he gets John Rahm. They go out, win this thing in 2019. He's pretty good at picking partners too. 
Yeah, a lot of people comparing Sam Burns to Jordan Spieth and, and John Rom too. So that's that's great, great, great comp there by hey, Billy. At one stage, you guys on this podcast were singing Sam Burns' praises in the biggest way. Yeah, yeah. yeah should have won I mean, like three times earlier this year. Yeah, well, exactly. I, I I think Mark was right about, and this is true of a lot of younger guys. There's there's a lot of volatility there. So when he was like from I don't know what Rick October to February, it was like whoa, like his yep. it was it was. One round, not so great. Yeah, he had like he had like um, nine rounds where he gained four strokes or like something insane. But it was he could never put the fourth round together, and it was it was wild. Wasn't he in the final pairing at Tory? Yeah, with with the Reed incident, it was it was Reed Burns and some other young guy. But he he four putted the first green and played himself out of it immediately. Uh, okay. I've got, uh, Morikawa and Wolf and th- this is like, Oh, Hey, newcomer, like, look what's going on. Wolf isn't playing well. Yes. I, I completely understand Matthew Wolf is not playing good golf, but I, I think that, I think the reason for that is I think he's struggling with some, like, this is very like armchair quarterback type stuff. Uh, I think he's struggling with the, the loneliness and the, um, just w- w- like turning pro and how lonely that can be and how much you have to kind of mature into it. We've heard Rory talk about this over the years, right? Like the famous story about how he was eating Pringles in a hotel in Japan when he was 20 and he just starts crying and you're like, what's going on? I think some of that is what is going on with Wolf. And I think the thing to kind of pull him back in is, is what is a team event. Like that's what he, that's like, he loved that in college playing at Oklahoma state playing with all the guys. Like I think this week will be good for him, like from a just uh, human being standpoint. And so with that, I think could come great golf and more was probably the best player in the field, him and Aram. So I, I just, I don't know. I think there's something there. I think we could see a really good version of, of Matthew Wolf this week. I don't think Colin Morikawa was going to be used to playing from some of the places Matthew Wolf might drive him. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. We'll, uh, yeah, we'll see. Uh, we shall see. And it is now the moment of truth. One and done. So here is what we have decided, gentlemen. So producer Jacob is, he's tough. He's very, very tough. And he has told us that the rules are uh, you have to burn both of these golfers. So yeah, cricket, want, cricket, Jacob. I like the way Jacob makes up the rules weekly, doesn't he? I mean, yeah, that's the best enough. part of this. It's cool. Yeah. And we'll make them up as you know, the tournament, a tour championship comes, we'll make something up there. Um, so we have to burn both of these golfers, uh, which makes it quite interesting because if you've been saving Palmer, uh, you can't use them if you've already used ROM. So just to give a quick update on our standings, coach is at 2.4 million. Jacob is at 2.8 big gap to you, Kyle, 5.3 million million uh you are a repeat offender in in choosing the same player so i've got the i've got the sheet up here i'm going to try to keep you on track who do you like this week for the one and done we've been trying to stay on track and, and even did this yeah i don't either i picked paul casey twice in what five weeks in four weeks how did we miss that because i've had I, I i don't know how he screwed that up this is like the year that Kevin Durant got thrown out of like 30 games in an NBA season. Like he just keeps happening and you keep getting fined and money taken away and it doesn't help things. Uh, I think I'm going to go with Cam Smith and Mark Leishman. I think because I don't, I think that's the, that's, those are the two guys where you're like, I don't know. I, I don't know that I'm going to use them again at it, at any point. And they're kind of coming in with a little confidence on a little bit of a hot streak. So I I think that I'm not positive, but I think that's who I'm going to go with. Okay. Uh, That you are eligible to use those two. I just, just confirmed right now. Uh, You can use those. Greg is about $200,000 clear of UKP. He's at 5.6. And then there's this pretty sizable gap to 6.5. Mark, that's you. You're coming off. You're in a pretty good stretch of golf right now. Now, your last five weeks have gotten you 1.1 million, including three quarters of a million from Jordan Spieth at the Masters. And you've got two golfers to burn this week. Yeah, during that pretty nice stretch you reference, I've actually fallen farther behind you, but that's besides the point, right? No, but, but but this is still you that's gloating, okay. right? Um, <laughs> You're gloating for me. I don't even have to do it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> if I do it, you don't have to. Do, um, do, do my last five weeks and do your last five weeks also, Rick, after Mark's uh, Okay. 
No, go ahead. Okay, so Mark was at 1.1, KP 1.8. That's a good stretch. And I got got 1.5. So last five weeks, KP, you are in the lead. Season doesn't start until many <laughs> useful. Yeah, I use Paul Casey zero. every week. <laughs> <laughs> Paul Casey and I have the same amount of FedEx Cup points. Paul Casey better be playing in Valspar from my from my point of view. But anyhow, um, this week I'm vacillating between those two groups I've referenced. Um, I did consider the Australians. I did consider the Saffirs, um, Louis and Charles both because I watched them play a little bit in the practice at Augusta, and, and Charles is looking good. Um, and they've played well together here before, and they've played so much um, team stuff alongside each other, so they understand their games. But but uh, really, I mean, I'm, I'm battling to avert my eyes uh, from either Horschel or Burns or Todd and, and Chris Kirk. I, th- I think I might hang on to Todd and Chris Kirk because the events like Travelers where Brendan Todd's played well before and those sorts of things. And Chris Kirk has won at Colonial and that'll save me Morikawa for somewhere else, maybe a bigger event. So I'm, I'm probably going to be on the Burns Horschel train this week. If it makes your decision any easier, uh, I'm locking in Brendan Todd and Chris Kirk. Uh, that is, okay, well, I'll go Burns and Horschel then. That is essentially the team I have to use. I'm happy to do so. I, I, I think, I, I really like their chances this week, but I have used I have used Sam Burns. I have used um I've used Ryan Palmer. So I'm I'm essentially kind of locked into this and I don't I don't really mind it at all. I like their chances for this week. So that's well I just market. got a message from producer Jacob because you have to commit Mark with an exclamation point. So clearly he means this. So I'll I'll, I'll go with Burns and Horse. It sounds like your swing coach. <laughs> Gotta commit make a committed it. pick. Yeah. Make commit. a committed pick. <laughs> <laughs> An aggressive pick to a conservative target or whatever. Um all right, gentlemen. I think that'll do it. That was a lot of fun. We covered a lot today. Talked with Dottie, did storylines, did our, our Zurich Classic preview. So let me thank producer Jacob doing all the hard work behind the scenes. Let me thank Mark Immelman, who you can find on Twitter at Mark underscore Immelman. Kyle Porter, who you can find at Kyle Porter CBS. And you can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been the first cut. And we'll catch you next time. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.